time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Quitting time at the plant. Time for supper now. Time for families. Time for a cool drink on a porch. Time for the quiet rustle of leaf-laden trees that screen out the moon. And underneath it all, behind the eyes of the men, hanging invisible over the summer night, is a horror without words. For this is the stillness before storm. This is the eve of the end. Going through the Twilight Zone one episode at a time, and uh, Sean, the uh, the fourteenth episode of the Twilight Zone was Bird from the Sun, uh, not to be confused with Bird Rock from the Sun. No, no, of course not. There's no John Lithgow anywhere on this episode. Yeah, although although I do like to think that maybe that was what they were thinking of when they came up with the name for the sitcom. But uh, of course, uh, you know. As far as we know, they have nothing to do with each other. I mean, I I don't want to spoil anything here, but, but this really does. Both involves people going to Earth. Well, that's true, and and you did uh, you did spoil the ending of it. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Um, so that brings up a, a, a good question that I was going to say end, but uh, apparently we'll just go for it now. Um, <laughs> So, so when did you? Like, I, I know it's tough to put yourself like in, in the position of when was the you know the the first time you saw this because yeah. it was you know I, I was probably like five or something. Uh, like wh- when do you realize in, in that episode? Wait, something's something's not uh, not quite adding up here. So this is uh, really embarrassing, and uh, I was so embarrassed that uh, it reminded me of there was something I can't again can't remember in a in a previous episode we did that I didn't get something until you had to explain it to me at the end, and I was so embarrassed that that, that I thought of something else. But I watched this uh, for the first time in a long time last night, and. <laughs> In my notes, I wrote down in all capitals, what a twist, Earth. <laughs> so to to answer your question, I was uh, this many years old, and it was last night. <laughs> okay, well, apparently you weren't watching uh, 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 wall-to-wall, uh, you know, Twilight Zone marathons, because yeah. it was pretty prominent. Yeah, I... Um, I think I just got wrapped up in, uh, like, the episode drags a little bit, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I mean, I've seen it before, and maybe it's just because, you know, at, at some point, like, the episodes kind of run together, like the, the twists. Yeah. So I don't know why I had a blind spot for this one. But, hey, I mean, what a gift. I got to watch it like it was the first time. That's true. And uh, this episode follows uh, Will Sturka. Who's yes. a military base, and and they've been uh, producing. I mean, they they never really come out and say that they're atomic bombs, but I, you know, I guess it's it's pretty fair to assume. Yeah. That whatever, whatever, you know, Glarnak Seven uh, equivalent of an atomic bomb is. Um, and uh, like right from the beginning, and, and you mentioned that it sort of drags on, and I, and I think the the reason it it seems that way is because. 
like right from the beginning like it's a really tense story like you, yeah you can tell that there's you know, and they keep just sort of hitting you over the head with something bad is going to happen and i think that that may be why it seems like it drags on uh a, a little bit because you you can't like have that level of tension for that long it it, it just doesn't doesn't work and, it, and i think that's kind of the the one weak point weak point in the uh in the story yeah, I just feel like every, <clears throat> like every, almost every scene could be about thirty seconds shorter. It's just, it's just yeah. um, you know, when the when the daughter's talking about uh, you know something something bad's going to happen, and then um, specifically when uh, Carling, the the villain of the episode in all white, when he when he visits the uh, the the card game, I don't know what. what card game they're playing by the way it's not poker um but well, I, it's larnack seven they can they have their own games maybe that should have been my first uh my first uh uh clue that that this was not earth um that uh they're just calling out numbers and <laughs> seven oh nuts um, which first by the way that by the time uh uh, the the reimagined Battlestar Galactica came around. At least they were a little bit better at coming up with uh, <laughs> made up card games. Yes. Um, but yeah, when 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 uh, so I you know I I'm, I I uh, spoiled the episode at the beginning, but I but I feel like we're jumping ahead. The um, so there's a rocket scientist, weapons expert something like that um working uh working on i guess doomsday weapons right yeah that's pretty uh, safe to say it's just a, it's a doomsday device it, it's probably gonna be a bomb of some kind but uh but a, a doomsday device that that sounds a nice nice general <laughs> and so somehow he gets word that uh nuclear winter or nuclear holocaust is gonna happen if not tomorrow, then very soon. Right. At one point, they say within 48 hours, which, right. you know, gee, I hope there's no spies nearby. When we're gonna, <laughs> ooh, we're going to attack in 48 hours. Uh, and and the, the funny thing is, and this is probably a product of the fact that, you know, it's 22 minutes. They It's a little free play, so they don't have time to get into every detail. But they never actually say anything about uh, who the enemy is or, or why. So it reminded me of... Uh, of a Futurama when they're going to fight those aliens and uh, uh, you know Zap Brannigan is like uh, rest assured they you know hate everything you stand for. Uh, just so we'll know, who's the enemy? A valid question. We know nothing about their language, their history, or what they look like, but we can assume this: they stand for everything we don't stand for. Also, they told me you guys look like dorks. They look like dorks. <laughs> Uh, so it's a little like that. They're just the enemy. I, I, as a matter of fact, I think they're they're literally only referred to as the enemy. Of course, what better way to describe them? Um, so Sturka, which uh, must have been one of uh, named after one of Rod Serling's friends, because how do you think up that name? Right. Um, he uh, decides to grab um, his wife and kid and uh, a friend and his wife and um, find another planet. Yeah, and they uh, they make a run for it, and um, I I didn't understand why Carl why the bad guy Carling who's on to Sturka and his his posse um, why he's is he just trying to stop the theft of a of a spaceship? 
Because he yeah, definitely think, doesn't ask to go with them. Yeah, I think that uh, Carling is just the the 1959 Glarnak 7 version of a carrot. <laughs> you know, something's going on and he doesn't like it. <laughs> maybe maybe he's, he's upset that he wasn't invited. You know, these, people are, these people are leaving and they, they didn't even think to invite me in my seersucker suit. Carling seems like the kind of guy who was not invited to any party. Uh, probably not, because I don't recall anybody inviting him to the uh, to the to the card game. But he showed up anyway and started, you know, drinking their lemonade. That's I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way. He goes in, was offered cake. He says, "No, thank you, but I'll take a lemonade." Look, man, like don't just randomly show up at somebody's house and start calling shots. Like, even yeah, if it's a glass of water, like, now. yeah. How do you know that lemonade's already been made? Yeah, yeah. That that's. I mean, that that proves that this guy's just a scumbag. I can invite him. Um, Carling's got a real glass jaw. Uh, I think Sturka gives him an open hand open hand slap that knocks him out. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can see that. I mean, but but hey, if we've learned anything from the past few months, it's that when you actually confront a Karen, they usually uh, fall pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> But let's uh, get into a little bit of Twilight Zone math here because um, they yes. at a couple different times say that uh, they're going to a small planet 11 million miles away. Now, again, since uh, this, this they're coming from planet Glarnak 7, which <laughs> made up, I, I think that's actually a Scrubs reference. At um, they, uh, they, they could, you know, miles may be different uh, in their world. Oh, good call. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, 11 million miles that would get you like a third of the way to Mars. Yeah, so I um, <laughs> I, I definitely Google. So if you Google 11 million miles from Earth, because in my brain this was Earth, um, the first return that comes up is third from the sun, Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, they're probably not thinking that uh, that fans are. You know, TV was new, so you didn't have fanboys back then. Yeah, you, and you can't Google 11 million miles. Yeah, so, so they're probably thinking, 11 million, that sounds like a big number. Nobody's going to check in on that. That's fine. <laughs> Venus is 162 million miles on average from Earth. Yeah, so, so yeah, 11 million miles, probably uh, yeah, probably not going to get you very far. You'll, you'll die in the, in the cold vacuum of space if you're <laughs> 11 million miles away. Uh, but, but, you know, again, you get the idea, so let's not, let's not split hairs. You know kind of what we do here. I will say um, what they definitely got right was um, the, the, the phone that Sturka has. I don't know if you noticed it, but it was, it was just a futuristic-looking telephone. Right, and I think that that was probably one of the moments where I was like, "Ooh, something's something strange is going on here." But I think if I'm if I'm Sean and I'm, I'm doing this, uh, <laughs> not me, I would probably just look at that and say that they're trying to uh, show the future. <laughs> it's, it's not this guy. All this guy thought was, "Hey, that's a cool looking phone." <laughs> uh, that's a cool looking Earth phone. Yeah, oh, nat- naturally, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Car- Carling, though, I think uh, I think Carling is one of the uh, one of the most annoying villains in, in Twilight Zone history because, like, like from the moment he shows up, he's really annoying. You know, first of all, he uh, he's bumming a he's bumming a light from uh, from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, bumming and, a lemonade from his wife. Bumming lemonade from his wife, and then he ends up ends up narking on him. I I just don't. I just don't understand. You know what? Why are they even, even keeping him around? Not a cool dude. Yeah, and and if you're the authorities there on Glarnak Seven, <laughs> um, you'd think you would know. Man, this guy seems to turn on everybody. So maybe we shouldn't trust him. I don't know how this guy passes security checks. Uh, I don't know. But an- another thing that's worth noting is uh, uh, whoosh up over and whammo. Whoosh. Up over and whammo <laughs> um, has uh, has at various times become a bit of a catchphrase uh, for my uh, my brother and I. Uh-huh. You can go whoosh up over and whammo, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is probably the um, the uh, the easiest uh, simplest description for nuclear war I've ever heard. Was this the uh, was this the the impetus of it? Yeah, exactly. that's awesome. I mean, where else would you hear whoosh up and over and whammo? Whoosh up over and whammo. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it it gets the point across. I mean, if you're if you're trying to say, hey, this uh, this society we're looking at is about to blow themselves up, that's a that's a pretty easy way to uh, to get the point across. You're not lying. No, so. Um, yeah, another thing that uh, that bothered me is uh, so here's the here's a um, here's a, a society that has apparently developed interstellar travel, um, even though they they can't get miles quite right, uh-huh. and somehow they can't get rust out of a out of a watch spring. <laughs> but they do have a a, a rust removing machine, I guess. That, that just makes a lot of noise. And then uh, for those of you who haven't seen the episode, which why are you listening to us if you haven't seen the episode? I know some, some, some assholes spoiled it in the beginning. Right. <laughs> so uh, when, they're, uh, when, they're, when they're plotting their, their escape, at one point uh, they're, they're trying to keep everything secret by being in the basement uh, with, a, with machinery running under the guise of, oh, my watch is rusty, I need you to fix it. Um, yeah, I mean, if, like, I realize that, you know, you look at the world today, and people tend to like, you know, some retro things. There's some hipsters walking around with pocket watches from the 1800s. Maybe that's it. Yeah, it's probably probably the same basic idea. This this guy just <laughs> insists on wearing this this old, antiquated piece of technology, even though it requires him to much like, uh, much like Carling intrude on his friend <laughs> uh, to, to get all the rust out of it and, and, and make it work again. Well, right. I mean, these are just bad people. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of good people in this. What I, what I, uh, I, I never knew that this was a, uh, a Richard Matheson. It was based on a Richard Matheson uh, story. Uh, as, as were quite a few Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and he also uh, he also did um, uh, uh, I Am Legend. Yeah, uh, which which is the Omega Man. 
uh, and I am legend. The, the Omega uh, Man better. So, um, also, you know, uh, Matheson really, I mean, he had some staying power, you know, um, I, and I didn't know that he, uh, I'm, I'm reading it just right now that, that he, uh, he wrote nightmare at 20,000 feet. Oh yeah. Which was directed by uh, Richard Donner, who, you know, oh, wow. Superman and, uh, uh, conspiracy theory, which is basically my life. <laughs> the Mel Gibson movie. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, also, Fritz Weaver, uh, the guy, the guy who plays uh, uh, Sturka, um, just a, just a fantastic actor, man. Like, I, I loved him in, in Creep Show, and um, you know, he's he's of course, you know, in, in, a, in I think he's in a couple other Twilight Zone episodes as well. And I think he just passed away uh, maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like uh, 2016. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and he was active like pretty much all the way to the end. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know he he played the um, he played the uh, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what his actual title was, but in the uh, in the obsolete man, he was the, the dictator guy. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if that was the only Twilight Zone episode he was, only other Twilight Zone episode he was in. But, hey, we'll find out when we get there. All right. Uh, so any any other observations about uh, this? And uh, I, I will point out that, uh, again, looking at the, the practical considerations here, the uh, the spaceship that they steal, both the exterior <laughs> and the interior uh, sets, were the ship from Forbidden Planet. <laughs> Is Anne Francis running around anywhere? <laughs> No, but I, I'm sure Leslie Nielsen was, you know, like stored away in a closet or something. <laughs> no, uh, nothing, nothing else uh, on this episode. I mean, it's it's pretty, uh, you know, like I said, it, it drags a little. Um, the twist, of course, makes it m- makes you know the build up and everything worth it. I think uh, there's there's some really good acting in it. Um, you know, it, it it really is it really is one of the best. Um, the best episodes and uh like i said completely embarrassed i didn't remember uh, how it ended but hey <laughs> what a gift well i think that um you know part of the reason that that maybe it drags a little bit is because i would imagine that uh you know i i, I haven't read the the short story by uh by matheson it may be like word for word uh but um you know it, it may have literally been a case where Sterling, you know, just takes this this idea of oh, we think they're escaping Earth, and uh, it turns out they're actually going to Earth, uh, which is you know a great twist ending, but yeah. just had to fill in the rest of it, and and that's why it, why it drags just a little bit. Yeah, it makes sense. It's 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 like uh, you know, it's the two extremes that we talked about. Either it's it's too much to fit into twenty two minutes, or there's not enough. So you gotta you gotta really stretch some things out. But all in all, uh, you know, one of one of the best episodes of the series, I think. I think so, definitely. And um, uh, up next week, we'll be uh, looking at uh, I shot an arrow into the air, which I will I- not spoil. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of the the frenemy of, of Twilight Zone episodes. Like, there, there's, it's it's good, but I, I got some issues with it. Maybe I should turn that into a novel too. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. One of my favorites. <laughs> well, there we go. So, 
Now you have the opportunity to say that, and uh, we'll see you next week. Behind a tiny ship heading into space is a doomed planet on the verge of suicide. Ahead lies a place called Earth, the third planet from the sun. And for William Sturker and the men and women with him, it's the eve of the beginning in the twilight zone. Cabotron? You can go whoosh up over and whammo.